Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Shayla. Dr. Shayla D. Williams is a tenured associate professor of biology, a toxicologist, and an author. She has seen firsthand how stress from toxic people can be emotionally, mentally, physically, and financially draining, and how effective and liberating the detox experience can be if employed effectively. Dr. Shayla teaches several workshops on healing emotional pain through journaling, and she is determined to help people thrive in the midst of stress and toxicity. She shares her trans- transformative process of healing and overcoming adversity in the workplace. So I have not experienced toxic- toxicity in the workplace, but I have experienced it in my personal life. <laughs> so, of course. I'm sure I will relate to a lot of the things you talk about, but before we kick it off, I would love to have you, or to kick it off, I would love to have you share about your personal story. Um, what um, inspired this for you? Because, you know, I, I, I've realized with a lot of people, when we talk about certain topics, it's usually because it comes from a place of experience versus mm-hmm. something that, you know, you just randomly come across. So if you could share a little bit about your story with us, that would be great. Sure. Let me start by asking you where you are in your process in, in terms of grad school. Are you at the dissertation writing stage? Oh, no, I'm an undergraduate. Oh, undergrad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I started to go back to school. Oh, when I, I'm 34 now, 31, I think. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go back to school for psychology and I will be graduating with my bachelor's in June of next year and then on to grad school. So we'll see okay. where we are at that time because my husband's uh, job might take us to another state where I <laughs> have to figure it out. <laughs> okay. The reason why I ask is because my story started in graduate school. Gotcha. See, undergraduate and graduate school are different animals. I went to a party and it was hosted by this, this lady and it was for all college students. And I was in my doctoral program at the time. The, the other kids were in the basement. I was upstairs and she said, why don't you go hang out with the other uh, college students? I said, look, there's a difference. There's a huge <laughs> difference. And then there was a lady who was, in the mas- who was in a master's program who was down with them. And she came upstairs to sit by me. She said, man, we don't have much in common. It's, it's, it's different. So when you go to grad school, I wish you luck ahead of time. All right. So that said, there's a part if you go to, into a doctoral program where something it's called ABD, all but dissertation. Yep. It means you've done everything and all you have to do is write. Seems simple, right? <laughs> Except the really big papers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a 200 and some page term paper. Mine was 214 pages. But here's the backdrop. I was in a situation where I was doing an internship and I was about an 18 hour drive away from home. So first of all, I was far away from home. I'm an introvert. And so I don't really make friends very easily. So I I pretty have a strong constitution, but long story short, let me condense about 15 years (laughs) into like 15 (laughs) seconds. It was a toxic situation. You know, I said my dissertation was like 200 some odd pages long. My mother died when I was 10 pages into it. So that was another problem. Far from home, 
dealing with that. But then I was dealing with this toxic person. I'm going to call her Margaret. Okay. And she, she's not really a person. She's like a, a, a accumulation of different people I know. Gotcha. And so she's like my avatar. And of course, if anyone's listening, your name is Margaret. Spell it backwards. It's Terragram. <laughs> All right. And oh my goodness. A picture being straight out of college. I've never dealt with anyone like that before. I didn't know people like that existed. Mm. So right out of the gate, I was at such a disadvantage, far away from home, dealing with grief and not really understanding how people are. See, I judge people based on what I would do. I would never do this. Why would you do that to me? It's silly in retrospect, but that's how I thought. I was in my early 20s. Now I'm 42. Yeah, you learn a lot in those (laughs) 20-some years. (laughs) So here's what happened. Over the years, I went from 135 pounds to 250 my blood pressure went up to 200 over 100. My blood sugar, you know, on average, it should, should really not top 140 when you're eating. Mine was over almost 500. Wow. That's like, to- like diabetic coma territory. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of information, but that was the effect of the toxicity. So what was going on? Let me tell you. It seemed like I might have been reading too much into it. If I actually tell you specifically what was going on, you're like, are you really? That was it? That's what caused you to gain all that weight? But see, it, it was like a death by a thousand cuts. Right. Those, those microaggressions. Exactly. It's like it, you take a stone statue, you tap at it a little bit here, then tap there. Over time, you can bring the whole thing down. It's not like dynamite. You blow it all up in one spot. But it would be things like they would say something to me behind closed doors. Oh, that sounds amazing. And then when we get in front of people, it's like an entirely different story. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what you said. I'm like, did I misremember that? And then it was that. It was constantly leaving me out of the loop in meetings. And then I'm expected to do something. I didn't know what was supposed to happen. Right? And I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. To this day, I couldn't tell you what specifically I saw. But one of my professors was on a conference call with Margaret. And he called me out of the blue. He's ne- he never done that before. And he said, Shayla, I don't like that environment you're in. It's toxic. Five years of this, of me constantly wondering, did I see what I saw? Did I hear what I heard? And I, I think the biggest thing, too, was this thing called gaslighting. Yes, I was just thinking that while you were talking. I'm like, they guess gaslit her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just gaslighting. Like, wait, what? And, and there was a time, now this was after my mother passed away. I don't like to cry in front of people. I don't know if you're the same way. Yeah, I really don't. <laughs> yeah. For me to cry, you have to break me down. When we were in a meeting and then I, it was like being ambushed, one of those gaslighting things, it took everything I could not to cry. And if I had, if that meeting had gone on another 10 minutes, I probably would have. And that's when my professor said, I don't like that environment, it's toxic. And when he said that, it was just like a burden lifted off because I was like, I didn't imagine all that. I did see it. I did see Mm -hmm. the problems. And even my boss came and said, do you think Margaret is a racist? Which I didn't think that. I just think this is a horrible person. (laughs) Racism, sexism, any kind of isms, these are symptoms of another problem. There's something else going on there. Okay. So... This person was like had a 50, again, the different people I know had like a 15 year head start on me. I was just a, a new graduate student. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what threat do I present to you that you have to do this? 
that you have to lie. You have to ambush me. I mean, make me look like a fool. Like, I don't know the basic scientific method. Like, why? I don't understand. But I, I can tell you, they felt threatened somehow. Right. So in a way, I felt like, okay, well, I'm almost you know, honored <laughs> that you think <laughs> I would be some kind of threat. Because if I were nobody, you wouldn't care, would you? Right. Yeah. So let me uh, say this. When you encounter workplace toxicity, however it presents itself, there's the type that I experienced, which, which is very, uh, what do we call it, passive aggressive. Right. It's like it, you're constantly, wait, what happened? Damn, am I imagining this? If you're doing that, it's probably true. It's like your subconscious is picking up on these things. So if you encounter that, or it's overt toxicity where they're straight up, you know, bullying you, I didn't experience that. Like I said, it was more subtle. The first thing you do is protect yourself. Protect your physical health, your social health. Because remember, over, over the years, my, I gained weight. Over the years, my blood pressure went up. Over the years, my blood sugar went up because I was not protecting myself. I was allowing all these stressors to basically kill me. And, and that's not an exaggeration, exaggeration rather. You know what happens when your body's under stress? It protects itself. Yeah, it protects itself. And what specifically does it do? It conserves energy. Mm-hmm. It does that. So it's that like would it, mean slowing down your metabolism. Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that it, it's yeah. wanting to conserve energy because the the fight and flight response exactly you know my, my students laugh when i tell them this but i said if you're being chased by a bear the last thing on your mind is some hot date you're not <laughs> thinking about some hot guy you're not thinking about some hot girl right you're you're not even thinking about a cheeseburger your your primary role in that moment is to live to see another day mm-hmm so your sex hormones are, are depressed. Your hunger response is depressed. Everything, all non-essentials are depressed. It's like if you ever watch Star Trek and they say divert all po non-essential power to the shields. Yeah. Because you can have the biggest, baddest photon blaster in the universe, but what good does that do if the ship blows up? Right. You have to protect the ship first and then, you know, the best offense is a good defense. Mm -hmm. Right. So now here's the thing. What if we're, let's go back to that bear analogy. You're being chased. And all of a sudden, the bear goes away and your body's like, whew, that was close. And so you go back to normal. All those stress hormones are suppressed. Now you're hungry. Now you can think about that hot date, right? But when you're under stress, the body doesn't note the difference, whether you're being chased by something or whether you're just dealing with that one encounter. If you right. carry that home, your body's like, we're under attack. We're under attack. Don't know why. It's like if you watch a scary movie and your heart starts pounding or, you know, for me, the most visceral reaction I can have is to watch a rape scene in the movie. Mm. Even though I know that's not real, they're two actors and then the director yells cut, they're going to go get a drink of water. But, you know, it's that reaction like, oh, God, it's making my blood boil. Right. The body doesn't know the difference between a real and imagined event. So as far as you're concerned, your, your hormones are still suppressed. Your, your uh, hunger response is suppressed. So even though you're just sitting on the couches, nothing is wrong. But if you're carrying that stress, what happens over time, it's um, your sex hormones are suppressed. So your libido get, goes down. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing, since you don't have the hunger response has been shut down, but you're going to eat anyway, because that's what you're going to do. But there's nothing to say enough. Right. So you keep eating and people say, why do you eat? You can't really help it really. Okay. 
And so that's where the weight gain started for me. Cause you know, I took, I, I ate food as a way to comfort me. Right. And because I was constantly under stress, that's when my blood pressure started to rise. And of course, blood sugar rises because your, you know, your major muscles need that glucose. Mm-hmm. And so this is when, when people say stress kills you, that's literally true. Eventually it's like a car that revs up, rev, 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 rev. You're going to, you're going to kill that engine if you keep mm-hmm. doing that quicker, sooner rather than later. Yeah, now I feel you. Uh, I, stress, my whole life has been stress. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, I, I understand because every time that I go through a stressful period in my life where I'm under a lot of stress, um, I find that the same thing, I gain weight. I And part of it is emotional eating and, and comfort food, but part of it is, you know, like you said, your body is literally in the, the fight mode. Like, it's like, I'm just going to shut down all the non-essential things just so we have the energy to, to go. Well, if they're, you're constantly in flight mode or fight and flight mode, uh, your body is storing up all that energy, but you're not expending it anywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and energy, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It's just passed from one form to another mm-hmm. basic law of energy. And here's the question. Okay, so if that's the case, if all this stuff is happening to you, how do we counteract that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah. I, I do yoga and meditate and, and I don't talk to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's a good thing. If it works for you, that's a, a great answer, actually. There's some people who might not like yoga, but they might like uh, meditation or they might like reading. I would suggest, you know, the cliche deep breaths. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, oh, come on, that, that's the big, you know, no, when you're under stress, taking deep breaths, you're signaling to your body, everything's okay. See, right. there's a biological component to like, breathe, just breathe easily, because if you're being chased, you're not breathing like that. Mm-hmm. So your body says, oh, it's okay, okay, and maybe we're not under attack after, all right, everybody, take it, let's take it down a notch. Uh, I would suggest adaptogens, if you can take it, you heard of ashwagandha? I have actually. I used to be a beach body coach. <laughs> and that is one of the ingredients in their shakeology. <laughs> so, uh, that, that stuff is rich. Yeah. <laughs> I that was a long time ago, but yes, that's actually where I originally heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, take take it in pill form. I prefer the powder form, but I have to mix it with something because by itself, I, I cannot get that down. Right. I mean, ugh, disgusting, but anything that can bring down that stress response. And if you've been at this, if this has been going on for years, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to probably take weeks, if not months, like doing this whole COVID thing. I've actually lost more weight than I have in the past 10 years. I'm down to like 215 now. I mean, it's happening. It's like, you know, you're, you're over 40 and, you know, I don't lose weight like I used to. Oh my goodness. It's, it's like, it's like a full-time job trying to lose weight. Yeah, I mean, I'm in my 30s and I feel that on a very real <laughs> level. <laughs> Welcome to aging. <laughs> right. I'm like, in my 20s, I did quite well. And then I, know, I got right? in my 30s and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> Why does it take so much effort? Yeah, it's like that uh, old comedian Sinbad used to say you could suck up a bag of Oreos and lose 10 pounds back in the day. <laughs> no. yeah. Now I'm- you just- I was just talking to my teenager last night and uh, I was talking about like when I had you, my body bounced right back and now I'm in my thirties and I'm not even having kids. (laughs) My body's like, nope. Exactly. 
you know, but biology. Now, I think they get to the part your listeners want to hear. How do you, okay, now we talked about protecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. How, what are you looking for at work? What happens when you're on the job? That was going to be my question. How do you identify this toxic mm-hmm. environment? It, and it, it really depends. Like I said, for me, it took me years mm-hmm. of just not realizing what I was seeing. But there were people who were a lot older than me that saw it right away. And they said, Shayla, that's a bad situation. So you're in the moment. And if, if you feel that, I think I'm seeing something, and if you keep getting that feeling, it's, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, the old record players, that, 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 that's on loop. Yeah. If you keep getting, am I seeing what I'm seeing? Probably you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me give you some specific examples. Okay, I talked about gaslighting. Um, I talked about people who say one, they tell you one thing behind closed doors, but then in public, they say something entirely different, keeping you out of the loop. You have the bully. And uh, for bosses, there's some, someone called the spineless wonder. Of all the type of bosses, this is the one I hate the most. This <laughs> is the one who's actually the friendliest. I mean, you could sit down and have a sandwich with this person. This is a great person. But see, as a leader, this person's ineffective because they're trying to be everyone's friend. They want everybody mm-hmm. to get along, which, of course, is admirable. You want people to get along. But right. if they're not, you have to step in. It's like you're so afraid of offending everyone, you actually do the very thing you're trying to prevent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so one thing, that, one tactic that I use, and this is something I got really good at, put it in writing. If it's not in writing, don't believe it. Yes. <laughs> I tell my students that. I'm like, look, anything your advisor tells you, put it, tell them to put it in the writing. If they can't, then I would be suspicious. Okay, so if someone tells me something, I would say, could you, could you shoot me an email? Right. Just, now, what happens if they don't? Shoot them an email. Mm. And don't be, oh, see, I'm, I'm trying to hold you. You know, don't throw them up against the wall and, you know, just say, hey, you know, based on the conversation we had, I just want to make sure I, I heard what I thought I heard. This is what I got from it. And that's it. That's all you have to say. Now, if they don't respond to that, it doesn't matter. Because if something goes down, you can say, hey, I sent this email to make sure that I heard what I thought I heard. Right. And and going back to that issue with Margaret, the first time I noticed that something was off when she put in an email and said, I think Shayla's confused. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm not confused. There's confusion. There's not knowing. Okay. Now, if I had the mind then that I do now, I would have immediately sent an email. Hey, um, okay, okay, you know, I'm a little concerned about that comment. Can you tell me specifically what action that you saw in me that led you to say that? Right. See, you got to call them out on it. Don't let anything fly. Uh, here's, here's another one. One of my students said, this is the most confusing class I've ever been in. I said, really? What aspect of this class confuses you the most? And see, it's, it's not confrontational so much. I'm just asking for clarification. Sometimes right. that's enough to shut it down. Because mm-hmm. people want to say things to throw you off kilter. They don't, want a resp- they don't want a solution. They just want to cause more drama. Yeah, and, and it gives you the opportunity that if the student had come back at you and been like, oh, these are the things I'm confused about, you could clear the situation up. Exactly. That sounds too much like right, doesn't it? <laughs> Right. <laughs> See, I've been dealing with students almost eight years now. So. Oh, I want to be a professor when I grow up. So, you know, Good luck. 
I mean, I'm 34 and I'm like, when I grow up, uh, that's still, that's still like five years away after grad school and everything. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, putting things in writing. Another one is uh, learning to see past the smoke and mirrors. And what I mean by that, when someone comes at you with something, that's just a front to every action doesn't equal an opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. If someone's overly controlling, think about that's how they, they treat themselves. If someone's overly negative, that's how they talk to themselves. Even the Bible says out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's, I, I, again, my students kind of giggle when I say this, I said, have you ever, have you all ever had a conversation about space dust? And they're like, space dust? (laughs) You ever talked about space dust before? They're like, no, that's because you never thought about it. You don't think, you don't talk about things you don't think about. Right. Mm -hmm. So remember when anyone's throwing something at you, there's, it's, again, it's just smoke and mirrors. Now, one thing to counteract it is to understand something called logical fallacies. Oh, I love logical fallacies. Yes. I don't know all of them, but I know the most common ones like the ad hominem attack, ad misericordium, ad vericunium, post hoc, um, straw man. Yeah. A slippery slope. Yeah. Slippery slope argument. It's like anytime they use that hasty generalization. I mean, there's so many of them cherry picking. If you can learn to catch the majority of them, which probably an ad hominem attack would be the most common. And that is the argument to the man for your listeners, because you know this stuff. And that is you're attacking the person rather than the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. It's We're like, seeing that a lot right now. Oh, um, I was about to say. Webs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is watch a presidential debate. Preach. <laughs> and you'll see about every single one of these come out in some form or another. For real. Oh, it, it, um, the Democratic Convention, there was this lady who was talking about uh, COVID and she was talking about uh, her father passing away, which is you know, a horrible thing. Right. But she said, if it weren't for Trump, my father would be alive. I said, that, that's an appeal to emotion argument. Right. That's not, uh, that's not exactly an accurate uh, depiction of what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you see this like all over, especially on social media right now, where you be... I literally had a conversation with somebody today and they commented under my post and then we were having a good conversation back and forth. And then all of a sudden they turn it all the way around. And I'm like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this. Don't like try to like change the subject here and try, they're trying to connect the dots between two things that are not even related. Yeah. And that's a post hoc fallacy, a correlation fallacy. (laughs) It, see, because I, I get this quite often with a student didn't turn an assignment. Oh, my mother was in Afghanistan. I'm like, what does that have to do? Well, okay. No, first of all, I know your mother. She works at Walmart. <laughs> oh, I have so much fun on the job. I bet. I bet you do. I've seen some wicked stuff come out of <laughs> students in classes with me where I'm just like, do you really think that works? Like, You've, you've you've had all semester like like you know where uh, you start a semester out and uh, you know you as a professor like at the end of the semester you have this ten page paper due and you know what the great thing is you can start working on it now and keep an eye out for the topics this is what we're talking about my um, psychology one on one professor did this at the very end of the class. Like 10 people hadn't turned in the paper and he was like, I told you at the beginning of the semester, this is what the paper was about. This is what was due. 
there is really no excuse for you not getting it done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. None whatsoever. No, nope. but you know, sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking we have more time than what we do. It's true. I'm a, I'm a definitely a person that if I have a looming deadline, I'm more motivated than I have if I have a deadline way off in the future. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so here's what I talked about. Put it in writing, logical fallacies. And here's another one, and this takes some skill, and that is don't take it personally. Chances <laughs> are whatever's going on with this person has nothing to do with you. Like with Margaret, this was going on before I even met her. It's like children who deal with narcissistic parents. I'm like, if you, if you have that, chances are this was happening before you were even born. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, these principles can apply in, in, you know, your personal relationships. Absolutely. That's why I'm listening and I'm like, I've definitely, I have toxic relationships with my parents and uh, uh, my, both my parents are very toxic to me. And you're talking about certain things. I'm like, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now that we've established that here, uh, I had one person who emailed me. This was right at the start of COVID. This was back in March, 2020. And she was saying that she had this issue with her boss and she said, should I confront the boss? I said, if you like your job, probably not. <laughs> See, here's, here's the thing. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you could have a job this time next week. This probably, I say probably, wouldn't bother you as much. Mm. In fact, it might, it might not even be an afterthought. So it, you have, and, and she said she had kids. I said, you might need to hold back on that right. because you need to protect those children. If you, if you were to confront this person, you lost your job, how would you continue to support them? Could you do it? Mm-hmm. If the answer is you don't know or you can't, you might just have to deal with it for the time being. Mm-hmm. And I know I don't like giving that type of advice, but sometimes, especially when so many people have lost their job, you might need to hold off. I don't, you know, Timothy Ferris calls it taking, uh, taking it with all the stoicism of a cow standing in the rain. I'm not suggesting that. Okay. Guess I, again, it's, it's like you're giving up, but you, you have to read the situation. Right. Now, let me tell you something specific that happened to me about a year ago. I had a student walk in about 40 minutes late to the final exam. And of course, my rules say you have a 10 minute time limit. After that, you can't take it. So mm-hmm. long story short, oh boy, every, I mean, the, the dean got involved, the provost got involved. I mean, all these high level administrators got involved. And basically, they confronted me and said, you know, uh, if you don't let the student take her exam, we, we're going to sue you and we're going to write you up. What? All right. <laughs> I know, right? I said, first of all, let me throw back what I said. See past the smoke and mirrors. First mm-hmm. of all, this is a, it's a logical fallacy. It's called an ad baculum. This is argument to the stick. It's, it's a threat. Mm-hmm. It's also what you call a false dilemma. This or that. No, there is a third option. Okay, right. how about I don't do it? Now, this is before <laughs> I got tenure, so I could have been fired over this, but I was willing to stand my, my ground. Right. And, then she, and then they said, but, but she's crying. I said, argumentum and misericordium. See, again, I, I was able to uh, slap that away. And I said, you know what? Tell you what, if you want to sue me, by all means, do so. Mm. If you want to write me up, by all means, write me up. I can't wait to read what you have to write. And they gave me a deadline. They said, we want this resolved this time tomorrow by 12 o'clock. Well, this time tomorrow by 12 o'clock came and went. Nothing happened because I called them out on it. Right. Now, I don't recommend that. Okay. <laughs> do not do that if you need your job. 
But see, I did, but see, I, because of what happened previously with Margaret, I said, I would never put myself in that situation again. Right. In that moment, I was detached from the outcome. I said, if something happens and I'm separated, I'll be okay. And that's how I was able to detach from the situation at hand. That's your secret weapon, detachment. It doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that you remove your emotions from the issue right. and you're able to see things clearly. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous for them to tell you as a professor, you didn't break any rules. No, you know I what I mean? You know, and professors, I've had plenty of professors that have rules like that. You know, I have plenty of professors that are like, hey, you can't turn anything late beyond a week right? They'll be, they'll be like, oh, we'll take points off for every day it's late, but after a week, I don't accept it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know you know that you lay that out in the beginning. So it's so ridiculous that they did that. And I had a situation with a professor. It was a, um, an adjunct professor that was teaching at our university. And she was awful. And we had to go to the dean about her and, and everybody got involved. And I'll tell you, uh, to get her like in trouble at all we had to jump through a lot of hoops and we had to have a lot of proof that she did not do her job properly mm-hmm. um we did we did um it, it definitely helped that she turned in the grades three weeks late so <laughs> like, yeah. that, that definitely helped our argument um but yeah people will definitely uh, especially in the acad- the academic field empty threats are are, are a thing, but they, they know, and as well as you know, there's certain rules in place for a reason. It, you can't just be like, oh, bye, you didn't do anything wrong, but we're going to fire yeah. you now. <laughs> exactly. And see, I knew my position. I knew the rules. Mm-hmm. So you have to know the rules. Now, there are some jobs, I, there's a name for it. I just, I just can't remember what it is, but it's a job where they can fire you for any reason at any time, and there is no recourse. Right. A situation like that, you need to tread carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, one person, I actually found this in a YouTube comments, believe it or not, but I think it's brilliant. They said, you have three choices, accept it, change it, leave it. I'm like, there you go. That's, that's, that's really something Interview over, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Accept it, change it, leave it. Now, let, let me give you an example of change it. There was this uh, one of my listeners who emailed me and said that there's this person and he's like, he doesn't do anything. He looks at Facebook on the job and nobody wants to say anything. She said, should I try to file a complaint? And my response is, and she (laughs) said, should I confront this person? And my response is, if you do understand, you might do it alone. As what the, the situation was, this person was here long before she got there. And some mm. of these people who were working with it were also there. I said, there's a reason they're not saying anything. Either they might've tried at some point or they think it's not worth it. Whatever the reason is, there's a reason and you don't know what it is. So you're at a disadvantage. Now, if you take this person to task and you lose and you get fired, are they going to try to support you? They meaning the other coworkers? Mm. So you have to ask these questions. Don't just, oh, I can't believe this. I'm going to, I'm just going to get, no, you've got to stop and think. Think it through. Think beyond the present moment. It's so easy just to act, though. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, there's that primal part of our brains that are like animals that when we're cornered, we lash out. It's human. You know, it's what we do. But thankfully, we do have a region in our brain that it gives, allows us for higher order thinking. 
That's what separates us from the animals. We're not bound to our hormones. We're not bound to our baser instincts. We can rise above it. Right. Yeah. And, um, and my final piece of advice for her was, can you move up or out? And by out, I don't mean leave your job. I mean, can you move to another branch, another division? Mm. Now, for me, I can't do that. I can't move out. I can't just decide <laughs> to be an English professor. I don't have the background. That's, right. that's But I can become an administrator. Mm. Some, of my, some of my colleagues have become chairs. Some of them have become the dean. I wouldn't want that job. But, <laughs> right. I said, God, seriously, you couldn't pay me enough. So can you move up? Can you move out? And then uh, like the video game industry, one of the worst industries for toxicity. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this thing called crunch time. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. So for your listeners, crunch time just means that the video game has to be out. Let's say today it's September and it has to be out by uh, Black Friday. And between September and November, you've got a crunch. You've got to make sure this thing is clean. And it's, it's almost impossible. And many people have, have left. And you had developers that have been at the job for 20 years that just left over stuff like this. Stories of people on the floor crying. Doctors telling their patients, you look, you got to quit this job or you're going to die. What I was saying about stress earlier. Yeah, it's, it's a very toxic situation. So a situ- but they don't really have a lot of recourse. They meaning the developers and everybody working in this game. So a lot of them just leave. What happens to them after that? I don't know. But that's what I mean. You, you accept it, you change it, or you leave it. So if somebody cannot change it or leave it, what would be your tips for accepting it to help protect them? Like yeah. to help to protect themselves so that they're not, this is not, causing them to have like diabetes or high blood pressure or severe weight gain or any of those things. Have you seen that meme with Homer Simpson and he's on, he's on the job and there's this writing in front of him. Don't forget you're here forever. Yeah. And then he takes pictures of his youngest daughter and Maggie and he puts it over the letters and now it reads, do it for her. Yes. That's it in a nutshell. Even it, whether you have kids or not, there's something to work towards. You have a bigger goal in mind. And that whatever you're putting up with, you're doing it for that person. Like the lady, what I was saying before, who said she wanted to confront her manager, but she has kids. I said, you might not need to do that. Mm-hmm. Get yourself, or <clears throat> I like the way what Timothy Ferris says it. He says, if you lose your job, how will you get yourself under financial control? Think about that first. Make that your priority. It's like, I just have to put up with this a little bit longer. You know, there are people who've, who've written me, they're, they're uh, working three jobs that they hate. Oh. oh, I know. And I just said, what are you doing this for? What's the end game here? And of course, life is life. Things happen that you don't expect. Right. You know, I, I didn't expect not to have my mother at the end of everything, but it happened and I had to deal with it. Now, here's another thing. Improve your skill set. You might need to stick around just long enough. Like I, I, ch- I check my resume like every quarter, so four times a year. But this year I've been doing a lot of things. I got a grant, a half a million dollar grant. Um, during the COVID, I actually wrote a paper and I was going to publish it. This was the paper that should have been published back in the day when I was working with Margaret. And I just couldn't publish it because all the memories got dredged up. So I forced myself during this lockdown. I said, I'm going to get this thing out. This thing should have been published 15 years ago. 
<laughs> and now I have it on my resume. I submitted it. I haven't heard the outcome of it yet because um, they're supposed to be uh, reviewing it to October the 2nd. But I'm looking for things to put on my resume. Yeah. Not so much because I'm trying to leave, but because it makes me more indispensable. I say, if you get rid of me, I'm going to make sure it hurts. Yeah. That you've lost something. Like I have such a unique skill set that it's, you'll be scrambling to find, to find someone to replace it. So that's my recommendation. Improve your skill set, have a bigger goal in mind. And again, protect yourself and learn to see the logical fallacies in these arguments. Yeah. As my dad says, he says, CYA, cover your ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to make sure that you have all of your your bases covered in case something goes wrong. Like like you said, you have no intentions right now of leaving your job, but you also want to make it so one, they're not quick to fire you, but two, you have you know this resume to fall back on to get hired someplace else if it did happen. Yeah. And um, I was visiting New York some back in the day before I went to hell. <laughs> and there was this lady who teaches Chinese and oh, she, she's a native Chinese speaker. And she was showing me some, some writings of her student. And there was one, I thought she printed that out. I thought it was like calligraphy. No, it was someone's actual writing an American writing Chinese. It was beautiful. She said, this guy has like three jobs, but he has a goal in mind. I don't know what he wants to do. Maybe he wants to take English over there. Maybe he has something else in mind, but he's doing all this on the job. And he says, my job is financing my future. Mm. So you can think of it that way. Right. Yeah. And then the question, when it's all said and done, there's going to be some, some uh, how should I say this? After effects? Like you just can't shake it off. It's not like dog shaking off its fleas. It's going right. to stay with you. <laughs> it's not like you leave and then the toxicity is completely gone. You have all these ramifications from being in that environment. Yeah. And so I say embrace the, the healing process. And again, I don't like this airy theory, pie in the sky type of, um, <laughs> type of advice. As you can hear from me, I like to be, you know, pretty practical. But what I tell people, just embrace the negative emotions because there's a reason we have them. You know, I, I say, I tell my students, if you're ever writing in a journal, you know, you're trying to heal and they say, oh, I don't, f I feel fine. No, you don't. Well, why are you doing this? You don't feel fine. Acknowledge it. It's like that meme where there's this d dog and he has his hat and he's sitting in a building and the whole thing's on fire. You see oh, that? Oh, yes. He's yes, like, that I'm, guy. Fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Fine. I'm and fine. then his hat catches fire and he says, I'm happy with the, thing, the way things are progressing. <laughs> no, stupid. No, it's not like that. We call it toxic positivity. Yeah. When after, again, going to my mother's death, after she died, my family, you know, they did the best they could with what they knew. And they just said, hey, Shayla, just, just keep writing. Just don't worry about it. That was terrible advice. That was not good advice. Again, I don't blame them because that's what society tells us to do. Right. We got to push past no feeling. I, I say, if you want to drop F-bombs, let the F-bombs flow like a river. Mm, I love some F-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, let's see, as a professor, my students listen to my podcast, so I'm, I'm very mindful of what yes. I say. So I don't want their professor hearing them dropping F-bombs. If I didn't right. have that, I would, trust me. <laughs> Point is, I'm honest. I'm angry. Go ahead and say it. I'm angry. I don't like what happened. That, I think that was horrible. Even if you're wrong, it's irrelevant. It's 
get it out, address it. Mm. And then let, and then your logical mind can, can help fill in those gaps. You know, logic and emotion do not dwell in the same place at the same time. There's some people who, who tend to skew more emotional. There are people who skew more logical. I, I tend to skew more logical, but sometimes to my detriment. Sometimes I go too far that I lose touch with my emotions. And that's mm. a lot of what my problems came from. I couldn't process them properly. And that's what made a difficult situation worse. Yeah, I'm a I'm a, more of an emotional person, and my husband's more logical. So it's real fun when we uh, we don't fight, but like when we get in like an argument or something, or we a disagreement, and <laughs> I'm just like, ah! <laughs> he's, he's like, well, babe, no, you need to get on my level. <laughs> like, exactly. We need to both be emotional, but it doesn't work like that. But I love how you pointed out like it's going to be tough. Like I. I've been, and people know this, I've been in therapy for ever, um, <laughs> for like seven years and it, it's not easy. Like it's mm-hmm. not easy and it's not easy healing things that you've been through. Um, but you feel a hell of a lot better when you're done. And you know what? You're a better person than I am. At least you went to therapy. I didn't, I tried to figure this out on my own. And again, that just added to the problems. It's like the perfect storm of everything that could have gone wrong. But for everything that happened, I'm still grateful at the end of it all. Because yes, that, I don't think that should have happened, but it didn't, right? And I don't take responsibility for things I'm not responsible for. Whatever was going on with Margaret, I don't take responsibility for it. That's not right. my fault. And I can tell you when I came to terms with that, I was actually working at a health food store did not this was after i got my doctorate okay because i i, I did i made some stupid financial decisions i mean you ever heard of dave yeah. ramson and he says i've done my fair share of stupid well i've contributed to that stupid pile <laughs> and i ended up filing bankruptcy it gotten so bad but before when i was working at this health food store there was this guy who, who walked in now i heard him before he came in the store he was livid whatever was going on and then he walks in the store i said Whoever has to ring him up is going gonna, gonna to be such a schmuck. And guess who it was? I mean, just take a wild guess. You. It's definitely you. <laughs> and, and boy, he was laying into me. And I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah, so I could, you could tell he was trying to get to me. But the reason why I didn't take it, because I saw what was going on before he even walked in the store. I'm like, that's not my fault. So why should I get upset? Right. That's so, not your baggage. That's his baggage. Exactly. And, and that pretty much, I can sum up the entire talk with that. It's not your problem. Don't make it your problem. When I had a student tell me, I mean, he, he was very obstinate. He said, I don't, he said, uh, I don't like my grade. And I said, okay, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and he looks at me like he wasn't expecting it. I was like, of course, that's not my fault. If you have 26 students in this class, the highest grade is a 90 and you have a 30 or whatever, whose fault is that? Right. All I can do is teach you. You do the work yourself. So don't make people's problems your problems. Now, I know it's a, that that's a nicety. Sometimes you, it, it, people's problems do become our problems. You know, I mean, look at COVID. Okay? Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to have that pie, again, that pie in the sky type of uh, advice. But take control on the things you can control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we wrap up the podcast, Shayla, and you have 
told us so much and you're like, I, I think I could end it with this. Well, now here's the chance for you to end it. What would you like to tell the Inspired Women audience? <laughs> Look, you have more power than you think you do. Toxic people want to try to shield you from that fact. They try to throw any type of toxicity, negativity to prevent you from seeing that you have control. You do have control, maybe not over them, but over you. They want to take control from you. Keep that control in yourself. Protect yourself. See the logical fallacies. See the smoke and mirrors. Improve your skill set. Embrace the healing process. Because you have the control. Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel like we feel so out of control a lot, especially right now with everything that's going on in the in the world, in the country. I know I have people that listen from other countries. So in the world... We feel so out of control, but you're right. We do have a certain uh, amount of control in mm -hmm. our lives. So Shayla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.